Good morning. The, uh, the message I had prepared is the gospel of peace is important. There's a lot more in the gospel besides peace, as we all know. But the peace part is the opening of the door to a lot of people, if they know there is peace. And now we have received not the spirit of, of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. That's 1 Corinthians 2.12. The acceptance of the gospel begins with knowing peace with God is available. He's not mad at us. And many people just do not know that. So many people don't want to hear about Jesus. And the reason many turn away from church at all is uh, for lack of knowing that God is at peace with us. A lot of times they don't really hear it or don't have a chance to hear it. They think that there's just too many rules. For instance, I'd read that we are supposed to love God with all of our heart. I read that in the Bible. One time I was thinking about what all do I know for sure? I was trying to prepare a message about 10 or 12 years ago. And uh, I thought and thought and thought about it. And I thought, well, I'm not sure if I do love God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I must not be saved. <laughs> you know, so then subsequently, within a couple of days, I think, I found this scripture that revealed a truth of the gospel that I hadn't read before. 1 John 4.10 says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And the gospel of peace let me know it's all good. It's all good. So what do we have in the gospel? What do we have in Christ Jesus? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And in Ephesians, we find quite a few blessings there that we have in Christ Jesus. It points out every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus are ours. Redemption through his blood is ours. Forgiveness of our trespasses is ours. The mystery of his will made known to us belongs to us. An inheritance in him belongs to us. Being sealed in the Holy Spirit of promise is ours. Faith in the Lord Jesus is ours. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him belongs to us. The eyes of our heart being enlightened is ours. And the surpassing greatness of his power towards us is ours in Christ Jesus. They're all in Christ Jesus. We have favor with God. You know, it says in Psalms somewhere that a king's heart, he'll turn things for our good. So should we love God? We may know the answer to that. I mean, it says that we love God because he first loved us. So many people are, they're in the dark. They don't know that God has peace for us or anything else. So maybe they didn't know that God trusts us with the words of peace and forgiveness and eternal life for them and for those whom they come into contact. Maybe they didn't realize that his love is unconditional love that is able to put up with all our weaknesses and failures and turn them around for good. How could they love him if they thought that it required total obedience of a thousand rules and a thousand laws or otherwise they'd go to hell? And maybe they thought that he wouldn't accept them as they are even though somebody said that. Maybe they thought, well, 
okay, well, maybe he'll accept me like I am, but maybe he'll make me transform myself and make me do all the work. When the truth is that he does all the transforming, there's nothing we can do to transform ourselves. In John 3.17, for God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And in John 5.22, Jesus says, God himself, the Father himself, doesn't judge anyone. He's given all the judgment to the Son. And we know Jesus loves us, and we know Jesus is exactly like God. The Father would say something, and, and the Son would repeat it. But in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So it's up to us to talk to people and try to help them see somehow or other, any way we can. Because we probably have a lot less school shootings and stuff like that. You know, if we just treated people right, so they wouldn't get to the point of self-destruction or destructing others. Knowing that God wants us to be at peace with Him in His unconditional love breaks down the barriers. And the song, There Once Was a Wall, comes to mind. It goes, There once was a wall, big and wide, tall and strong. There it was, built of all of our unholiness. But a man, by his blood, broke down the wall and loosed the flood of the mercies of God on all mankind. When I was a young boy, I think peace began to enter my heart when I heard the song, Jesus Loves Me. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There was a lot of power in that song, in the kingdom of God. I think the angels were really singing right along with it. Kids, they can really hear, you know, and they, when they hear the words, Jesus loves me, and, and the Bible tells me that, and, and uh, little ones to him belong. They are weak and he is strong. We tend to think, well, wow, there's, hey, there's somebody else in the world besides my parents. You know, if, even if we do have good parents, there's somebody else in the world that's stronger than I am that I can depend on. You know, it's just a matter of hearing. But a lot of people just haven't heard that, don't ever hear that. On the night when Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before the shepherds, keeping watch over their sheep, and said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring tidings of good news. For today, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host appeared and were saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace was made known as available that night when Jesus was born. And God was pleased with all humans. He just wanted them to realize that he's available. Have you ever had a situation where somebody you loved was afraid of you? You wonder, what, what is this? It really is a very uncomfortable situation. Well, God feels the same way. If we act like we're afraid to come to Him, you know, He thinks, well, I'll have everything for Him. <laughs> I have everything for you. Come to me. He's the ultimate teacher, counselor, standby. He's the ultimate person to come to. And He's always available 24 7, 365. So, peace. What a powerful thing. He's given that peace to us, available through Jesus Christ. Our Father has a good view and opinion of us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Glory comes from an old Greek word, ancient Greek word, dokian, but the word used for glory in the New Testament is doxa, D-O-X-A, or thereabouts. It's from an ancient word, to appear, or to seem, to think, opinion, good reputation, etc. A lot of different meanings for that word doxa. But in the New Testament, it's always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise, honor, and glory, splendor, and brightness. And that's basically God's view and opinion of us that have accepted His Son. If we haven't accepted His Son and salvation, then we are missing out on a lot because we're still under the law, and the law is not for us. The law is not against us <laughs> until we do wrong, but it's not really for us. But so many people don't know that peace is available because they don't know that God considers us valuable. And his view and opinion is that nothing is impossible, even us. There's nothing too hard for him, even getting us out of trouble into the living that we should be in for our own good. Even if we realize that so many of those who God loves just don't have a clue about God's open invitation of access to him and all he has through Jesus. Jesus, the name means salvation. So if you ever hear somebody say, well, that person needs Jesus, like I, I heard a long time ago, I thought, well, they're being religious. Well, maybe they were, but I've realized since then, you know, that the name Jesus means salvation. So if you say somebody needs Jesus, well, they need salvation. It's interesting that God would have his son's name called salvation. But everything in the gospel is really that simple. It just appears complicated when we're uh, kind of going into it. There's a lot of things that the God of this world or the God of this age tries to mix up and blind us with. But in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledging all the good things we have received from the Father through faith in Jesus will make our communication effectual. God sees us and has supplied everything we need for fishing, making us fishers of men. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We see here that God values us enough to plan for us rivers of living water so that we, when we are sharing the word, which is our primary duty, I guess, once we've received, we should pour it out. As we pour it out, we receive more. There's no reason not to pour it out, uh, but just use discretion with the words we use. We see here that God values us enough to plan for us ahead. In John 14, verse 18, 19, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. He's always with us, never leaving us, never making us do it alone without the help of the Holy Spirit, even when we screwed up. Faith is not blind, we can see him. The Father is exactly like Jesus. 
He doesn't say, hey, I see the truth, and you don't, ha-ha. He doesn't say, oh, well, what kind of questions do you have today? You already forget what you learned yesterday? He doesn't do that to us. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to me, Philip, not come to know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He's been helping everyone all these years, just like we saw in Jesus. God's always helping us. Just like what we read that uh, from the disciples, their accounts of Jesus doing this, forgiving, healing. God's always doing that for us, right and left, through other people, uh, healing us uh, mentally, spiritually. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world is blinding the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Again, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, you know, uh, how can they uh, trust the Savior that they don't know, they haven't heard about? How can we have peace with him? We are still full of failures. If you consider the things Paul mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, or sin, these were the 16 that he's mentioned. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. These are just all deeds of the flesh. And I'm sure we've all done at least one of these things. But they're not sin. These are things that are maybe harmful to us or harmful to others. They're not good for us. They're not counted against us by the Father because Jesus paid for all the sins to start with. And he doesn't count us as failures. He counts us as success. Those things are bad because they can cause us to lean toward unbelief. Bad for others because they can see not the love and mercy of God, but you know, greed and lust and envy and stuff like that, which can cause them to have unbelief. And those who are rejected by some things tend to become full of lust and greed and envy since they don't feel wanted or they feel like they're not getting what they deserve. And maybe that's what happened to Eve when the serpent tried to tell her that God was holding back from her when she was really like God to start with, but the serpent talked her into believing that she was less than God. So when we feel like we're rejected, then we tend to have more of a tendency towards doing things that do reject us. <laughs> so we don't need to feel rejected. God loves us. So what is sin? Sin is really the absence of belief, a lack of believing. Like Jesus as the Son of God, for instance. Jesus stated in John 16, 8 and 9, he said, And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin. And then verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So sin is the lack of believing. Uh, the Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin. What the Holy Spirit does for a believer is convict us that we are righteous that we are okay with God. He never convicts us of sin. So in Paul's letter to the Romans, the word sin is mostly used as a noun, 
in the first place. It's a, it's a noun. It's unbelief. It's a lack of right standing. It's a wrong standing, so to speak. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Since we have been justified by faith, we are given a right standing with God and the peace of oneness with the Father. So sin is unbelief or wrong standing, not right standing. So that's the difference between wrong standing and right standing, is believe or, un or unbelief. But sin, it's not the deeds of the flesh. It's the belief that God's going to kick you out of the kingdom if you mess up, if you fail with something. We're not dirty anymore. We've been made clean. We've been sanctified. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, you know, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, which is a, a fact. But there's no reason to not believe Him, for He has cleansed us. And then Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So if we do mess up and, and do believe that we've sinned or did the ultimate sin or whatever, Jesus' faith will come in for us because he's in us and we're in him. If you feel like you've done the most horrible thing in the world, there's no reason to panic because he's got your back. But there's no reason for us to, to panic in the first place. But we do. We go through different things. You know, the word says in Philippians, you know, be anxious for nothing. But we are anxious for things sometimes. But that's no reason to get upset with yourself. God's got you covered. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, it was fitting for him, for God, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, to perfect Jesus, the author of our salvation through sufferings. And the rest of the scripture, basically what it's talking about, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of our salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We are at peace and in right standing with him, regardless of our state of being, whether it's anger, rejection, lust, whatever. That's a state of being, but it's not our standing. We're in right standing with God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 again, in the Amplified Version. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation, which means basically one with Him, to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Through Him also we have our access by faith into this grace in which we stand, firmly and safely. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Again, the glory is doxa, it's a view and opinion. God's view and opinion of us is honor, praise, brightness, and glory. Okay, but experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. What's the story on glory from the last scripture there? Romans chapter 5, verse 2, uh, 2b. Let us rejoice and exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. That's a little bit harder. We're getting away from the gospel of peace that everybody enters by into the gospel of glory. 
humans have a hard time believing that the God of the universe, the King of Kings, wants to live in us. The God of this world does not want us to see that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The glory of Christ says nothing is too hard, nothing is impossible. We believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart, the veil of the law. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, they're given up on trying to do it all themselves, given up on trying to think that they are the ones that can give their own salvation. Whatever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We look at Jesus and see that we are exactly as He is. 1 John 4.17 By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Nothing is impossible. We look at Jesus as in a mirror and see he is us and we are like him. The gospel of glory begins with the gospel of peace and the gospel of peace is magnified in the gospel of glory. As Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.17, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit with him. And the Apostle Peter wrote to us in 2 Peter 1.1, To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, us that walked with Jesus for three and a half years, by the righteousness of our God and Savior. The Greek word for glory is doxa, and basically means view and opinion. It's an ancient Greek verb, dokian. In the New Testament, it's always a good opinion resulting in praise, honor, and glory. The glory of God is our glory now. We are children of God. We possess the same glory as Jesus. When we are at peace with God, the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are as valuable as Jesus. Accepting the view and opinion of the Spirit who says, Christ Jesus is in me, says, that glory is in me, so that when God looks at me, his view and opinion of me is good and love, because he is good and he is love. And there is nothing impossible. That's what we've been given. There is nothing impossible. There is nothing too hard. Whether we believe it fully or not is one thing, but that's exactly what we've been given. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God willed to make known... What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? The law, too, has its view and opinion. If we are joined to the law of Moses and counting on our self-righteousness, counting on our ability to get to heaven ourselves, if we're counting on, on the view and opinion of the law, which is now dead to us, or rather, which we died to, it's a view and opinion of death. 
It's the ministry of death. We should realize we are counting on nothing. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7 through 8, If the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? If we accept the view and opinion of the law, we are accepting that by our performance alone we can pay back all our wrongdoings for as long as we have lived and through all the living we have ahead of us. We are accepting potential guilt, curses of the law, condemnation, self-hatred, and all the other things that will take us down. If you're afraid to draw close to the Father, don't be. There's no reason to be afraid to draw close to the Father through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. What treasure? The treasure is the glory of God. Who are we? Well, if we see the gospel of peace, it's a beginning. We are at peace with God. We've got it made. If we also see that the Father's view and opinion of us is the same as that of His Son, we are destined to reign because we then know that we are His children and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation of all to Himself. But knowing we have peace with God comes first. We're destined to reign this uh, scripture in in Romans 5.17. If by one man's trespass all have become sinners, then accepting the peace that God has for us and the righteousness, the free gift of righteousness, will reign in life by Christ Jesus. So, where there is no condemnation, people are empowered to live right. If there's no self-hatred, you're empowered to live right. You're empowered to be more than yourself. That's what the Father wants, wants for us to understand, that through His Son, Jesus, you can be a, so much more. And thank you, Father God, for helping us to receive and to help others receive the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name.